You're listening to The Full Broadside. everyone to another edition of the full broadside i am cyber jock i almost screwed that up i mando's here so i'm a little freaked out i guess <laughs> but we have uh, kj mr sock nimitz nightmare snow dog is joining us in our live chat room tonight and live from an undisclosed remote location we have our mando this week how's everybody doing doing all right Doing good. Glad the holidays are over. Yes. If you hear an echo, that's because the government has me locked up in a padded cell somewhere in like Area 52. <laughs> Area 420.69. Right. <laughs> well, I wanted to ask a question because we were going to, Sock and I were going to bring it up last week. We ran a little long. So I wanted to check and see how's everybody doing with the ranked this season? Uh, played one game, didn't like it, got back out. Boo is all I got to say. Boo. <laughs> huh. Cool. Everybody but me hates it. Great. All right. I guess I'll be the weird one. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm having a good time. But, but you go go ahead, Nightmare. I'll, I'll uh, add in after you do your thing. I was going to say, I'm, I've am i been looking at uh, ranked the, the ranked season as a smaller more hopefully team oriented version of randoms and the only drawback is you can't give up with anybody and that's it otherwise you get equal if not more uh uh money from doing it than you would in randoms there's less people on the other side of the map that are just waiting for you to uh you know show broadside or in my case i spawn in the middle of the map and I can't turn any direction without becoming a target. So uh, I have been enjoying it. I haven't gotten far. I've gotten to the to the top of bronze uh, almost every week, but I just can't seem to win enough games to get into silver. Otherwise, I I think it's great. I I enjoy it. I don't know. Maybe I just expect better gameplay out of the players going into rank than I do randoms. Well, I made it into silver in the for in for the second week. I got out of bronze in the first week. Um, it is my recommendation to anybody who has not already got into silver. Uh, don't bother. Stay in bronze. It's way more fun. The tier eight is a lot more fun than tier ten. The tier eight, especially if you have Massachusetts, Tirpitz, Bismarck ships like that, ships that you can get in into the brawl, and you're good at playing them. You can really control the match with it being 7v7. Um, with tier 10, it starts to get a lot more snipey, HE spammy. And I've been playing the Thunderer almost exclusively. Uh, essentially, I play kind of like how Nightmare was saying. You treat it like randoms. Forget about your teammates. They can go die in a hole. Um, as long as you win, that's the only thing that matters. And honestly... Winning is not even important. The only thing that matters is getting top XP on your team because then you don't lose a star. And with Thunderer, I find I can do that more often than not. Although it's not, you know, it's not the the meta ranked pick, but I find that with it being just a smaller version of randoms, it can be it can be a very useful ship. But on the flip side of all that, I have been finding ranked kind of frustrating with the same kind of things you guys have been saying with the um, absolute garbage quality of the teammates that seem to happen too frequently. So it's very frustrating. Um, I think I'm the, I'm the only one here who I probably have the most battles in ranked of anyone in the channel right now. But 
I'm mostly just I'm I'm not having like a hugely fun time with it. I'm doing really well. I'm playing really well, but I'm not having a hugely fun time with it. I'm just doing it for the steel because I want I want them steel ships. Oh, I uh, started playing ranked the week after it came out. Um, it was a very horrifying experience. I lost my first nine battles in a row. Ouch! And um, I had some. Uh, I had the Massachusetts. Uh, I thought I played it pretty well. I had some pretty big games in it, um, and it didn't seem like it mattered. It didn't like. I would think in a seven v seven that one ship would have more power to control the outcome of the game, and it did not seem <laughs> like that was happening. So I quit it for a little bit, and I came back to it, and I started winning some. I got up to like rank two. Um, but it's really frustrating. Um, just I, I think I agree with KJ. I think the level of play I expected more. Um, I'm opposite from Shakto. I I do care about the team, and I try to play it as a team event and be supportive. And uh, seems like the more I try to do that, though, sucks right in this case. The more I try to do that the worse the outcome is. So I don't know. Uh, I don't really know what to think about ranked. I didn't enjoy it. Um, I don't know if I'll uh, play any more ranked. The other thing that I heard that really kind of shaped my mentality around it was um, someone said that if you try, if you try to try hard too much in ranked, it's going to turn into clan battles where you can't choose your teammates and that's no fun. So just treat it like randoms just treat it that you'll get the stars when you get them just have fun play to do a lot of damage and make money and you'll find you might not play as well perhaps if you as is compared to if you try hard at it and you know flag flagged up and camoed and used all the best ships and whatever but you'll probably find you're going to enjoy it more and you'll get the benefits of the steel out of it I, yeah, I, I echo that. It, I, I just look at it as a more efficient randoms and because you can do all of the dockyard missions, um, the, all the combat missions, almost all any of the campaign missions in ranked. And a lot of them are get credits or get XP. And what better way to do it than in the thing that gives you the most right now instead yeah. of drawing it out, trying to fight against 15 other people to, to get the points, get the kills, get the damage and do whatever it is for the insane uh, XP calculations that Ouija has. Um, and on top of that, uh, not so much with tier 10s, but with the tier 8 ranked, uh, the game's usually over in 10 minutes. Yeah, I, I've, I've managed to get through uh, pretty much all my dockyards and and that that Strasbourg uh, campaign by doing ranked, and uh, I even went ahead and purchased the Massachusetts. Um, something I thought I would never ever do, and uh, it was a lot of fun just going around in that. And I don't have a 19 point captain with it. I don't flag up for it, and I still come out on top or, or you know high enough that I feel I actually did something for the team. Uh, I You're always first, in the I, top seven. <laughs> yeah, I'm mean, always in the top seven. Uh, but I, uh, no, I've I've gotten uh, my first high caliber in it, I believe, um, and I've gotten for those of you who for those of you who don't know, ranked is tier is seven versus seven. Yep, and I, uh, but I, uh, for all the people who are naysaying it, I, I say don't treat it as uh, ranked. Look at it as uh, a weird. Uh, amalgamation of uh, clan battles and uh, randoms uh, with the only drawback is you can't bring your friends in or you can try to and end up on the other team which is that is a lot of fun just don't yeah. take battleships sink drops with cruisers and destroyers and you're almost always get into the same game maybe not the same side but at that point it doesn't matter because you're there to have fun and get paid I think yeah. that was the part of ranked battles that I enjoyed the most. There was like four or five of us, and we were sink dropping with just cruisers and destroyers. And we ended up with, you know, either on the same team or opposite teams almost every game. 
And that was really, really fun. Um, that was the most enjoyable part about clan battles for me this year. Rank battles. Oh. Or yeah, rank battles. <laughs> it's also it's not over yet. There's still what two weeks left of this season, then clan 20, battles start back up. Twenty two days or something for rank yeah. battles. Well, so I just uh, I uh, yeah. I put up my my current rank battle stats just to be I was curious about how well I'm doing in it. My average damage is like I don't know, like forty, fifty percent higher than it is in randoms. And I'll have almost a sixty five percent win rate. So I've been I've been doing really well in ranked. So oh, yeah. my enjoyment of it might be a little skewed because I've been doing really well. So I understand that it can be really frustrating when you lose a lot of games in a row. Well, I guess my thing with it is is I have a mentality change when I play that as opposed to randoms. Which makes sense. I mean, with randoms, I enjoy it because, you know, I get to hang out with you guys, get to do all that. And, you know, I expect teams are not going to be that great. When I go into, like, either clan battles or even ranked, I'm expecting the play to be better. I'm expecting things to, you know what I do wrong or do right matters. So well, that's I, how my mentality looks at it. What and, game have you been playing? You know this is World of Warship. Right? <laughs> I was I just going to say. I know, say. <laughs> I, I know that, but it's my mentality that I switch. I don't go, you know, you've seen how I play. I mean, I play every ship as a battleship, but when I'm doing ranked or clan battles, I don't play every ship as a battleship or as a destroyer. I, I try to stay with what it is and try to use it for what it's supposed to be for and do with it like it's supposed to. <laughs> so that's why that's why I you know for me my mentality changes on it. I have to I have to think of it differently. I don't think of it as oh it's just random 2.0. I at the same time uh, I will say that a lot of people feel that that is the, how ranked is. Um right. in fact I uh um trying to get my team to you know, cooperate and do things. I've been a lot more vocal and ranked than I ever were was. And <laughs> in, uh, somehow. <laughs> in, in uh, randoms. And uh, hey, as a result, I am. Oh, no, I, I take it back. I got complimented earlier from one. So I'm back right. to one karma. But I was also chat banned. Yeah, I was going to say, did you ever, did you get the ticket submitted to contest I, that? I, I submitted it, but we're on day two and I haven't seen hide nor hair of it. So it'll probably run I was its gonna, course. I, I was going to ask you about that nightmare because as you and I just discussed before, my first ever chat ban was during ranked. But you said it only lasted for 24 hours. I got slapped with yeah. a three day or right off the start, and I don't even say bad stuff in the in in the chat. Like I'm, people know me. I'm not really a mean person. I don't focus fire on somebody and, and harass them and, and flame them. The you do well, uh, other than torpedoing teammates in clan battles, but that's a subject <laughs> for another day. Hey, those are love torps, okay? <laughs> nice. <laughs> To keep your love torps to yourself. I don't want to know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so the fact that not only did I get chat banned, but it was for three days uh, makes me think that uh, somebody got really mad at the fact that I called their idea foolish. Um, that's like the worst thing I've ever said. Uh, and uh, they got all their buddies together and they just piled on every possible uh, uh, uh uh, misbehavior in chat report that they had. So, and yeah, I stack stack the reports, and then you you end up with a chat ban. It's really easy to do. Yeah, that's it's, unfortunate. It's, it is quite a, a, a flaw in their system. And uh, I mean, it's I have a I got hit with a three day ban, and we're into day two, and I still haven't seen any word on my ticket that I submitted uh, early into day one. So by the time they get back, get to it, it'll be over and it won't matter. So that that's why I stayed out of rank this season. Um, I'm usually a really big, and any of you guys have heard me talk about before, I used to participate in the rank battles, but that's when the prize pool was, you know, worth the headache to, to get into the battle to, to do. Um, this test season around the the prize pool, I guess, for some coal or, you know, the little bit of steel that they give to me, it's not worth the aggravation um, because my experience with rank is the toxicity of a lot of the players in, in rank and, and, 
let's face it, and I'll get off my rant. It, the entrance fee to rank is is not that much. It's like what seventy five battles or something. Um, I, I, they need to increase the entrance fee, and I've said it before, and I'll say it again to to rank to like I don't know five hundred or seven hundred battles because the typical player that I end up with is is the guy or the gal that goes out and purchases a tier 8 premium they've got their 75 battles under their belt and they take this premium into battle and totally you know potato off in the corner and as we all know in a 7 versus 7 battle all it takes is that one player to go yellow off the edge of the screen and you've lost the match yeah right. that's true yeah I remember someone saying that ranked is uh, like ranking out in ranked isn't necessarily a measure of skill. It's a measure of how many times you've pressed the battle button. Yeah, it's a, it's a measure of perseverance. <laughs> yeah. Oh, perseverance is a better word. I mean, if you're, <laughs> you can influence your win rate and stuff, and you can rank out faster if you're an exceptionally skilled player, which I'm, I'm not saying I, I am. Um, I think a lot of it, I, I, for my successes, I've been blessed with good teammates. Because I, I haven't really noticed, at least not in the Silver League, I noticed it a bit in Bronze. Um, I haven't really noticed the potatoes to the same extent. Although, um, I ran out of reports for the first time ever the other day. So it was pretty... That, that was There was one day that it was pretty bad. I don't even remember... <laughs> I don't even remember what it was so, that this guy was doing. I don't even remember what ship it was, but I know that there was just this one ship that really pissed me off for some reason. I had to dump all my reports on him. So I always pride myself as being, you know, a, a, an average player. Like if you look at my stats, I've got almost 10,000 battles. I'm at like right at the 49, 50% win rate. I, I'm, I am the epitome of the average Joe player. And so when I get in there and... I spent it. I stopped playing rank because I was at like rank four, trying to get the stars to go down to rank three. And it was like I would make gain three stars, lose two stars, gain one star, lose three stars, gain two stars, lose one star. So I'm, I'm going back and forth, get back and forth. After two, almost three hours of gameplay, I still hadn't cracked rank four and I was still in rank four. And so to me, it's why keep pounding my head against the wall? It, it's not worth it. And so I, I gave it up for this test season. I will echo your sentiments. It seems like the um, primary reward on most people's minds on most people's minds is the steal, and I think it's just too little for what you have to go through. I really do. It's yeah, it's not. If you want to raise the prize pool up, then you know what? I'll pull up my big big boy pants and uh, you know, and I'll put on my earplugs and I'll stay out of chat and you know, and I'll persevere and I'll get through it because there's a big fat carrot dangling at the end of the pole. But there yeah. ain't no carrot dangling at the end of this pole, so to me, it's not worth the headache to to deal with the toxicity. Yeah, hundred percent. What I will say though is I really like the way they've changed how the rewards work rather than. I mean, there's still the reward for getting to rank one, but rather than there being rewards at every rank, there's rewards for certain numbers of wins. So I've, I think the farthest I've gotten is rank three in silver. But when I get all this, I think it's 11 wins. Actually, I can double check right now. I'm in game. Uh, right. You, you get like what? Jeopardy theme now, please. You, you get like what? 100 steel? And we uh, can make that in just doing randoms just with our, our uh, port ticking and steel on wins, you know, doing the daily missions. Yeah. Right. You get, uh, it's 11 in silver. It's 11 wins and every three wins you, with the exception of the last two. So at three, six, nine and 11 wins respectively, you get a hundred steel. So you get 400 steel per, uh, per week for essentially playing, Assuming a win rate of fifty percent, which is pretty average, twenty-two games a week for four hundred steel—that's not that bad. It's worse than it than it was before, but you don't have the uncertainty of, "Am I going to be stuck at one rank for six days?" That to me is the only reason to to do rank. Um, so, wargaming's up the ante a little bit. Instead of giving it, you know, making it a hundred steel, make it you know two hundred steel or something. I, I mean, or at yeah, very least, while. at very least, if you make it into silver and gold, um, give us the rewards for the lower league or half the rewards for the lower league at the beginning of each week. If you or make it like a if you. 
like say if you don't play any games or or you don't win enough games in silver like you have to be you have to play well enough to stay in the higher leagues or you get kicked back down to bronze you know like so it weeds out the potatoes over time um but the reward for staying in the league is you get some of that extra steel from the lower league that you don't have to be in any that would be a good way to go about it it could get a little toxic for players who would might struggle to get into the higher leagues. I know I would struggle to get into and stay in gold. So it would kind of turn into the old, well, well, the, the Unicums have the best chance of getting all the stuff. But I think it would be a, a little bit less toxic of a system than it is now, or at least less grindy of a system. Well, <laughs> I mean, yeah, the, the rewards aren't great. Uh, again, it's still just a test season, so the, the silver lining is maybe they'll fix it? Maybe it'll get better? Oh, we hope. Yeah, keywords is that it's, it is a, a test season, and so that's, you know, great. So let's change yeah. it. <laughs> make it, I don't, make I don't, it, as my son says, make it more better. I don't really think it's, it's not broken. It's just not quite good enough See, yet. We, yeah. yeah. It, I, uh, uh, it needs to be done with a scalpel, not a sledgehammer. But yeah, I do. Their track record is with a sledgehammer. I do like the fact that they actually gave it a uh, uh, a coherent uh, ranking structure rather than what they use currently for clan battles, which I still can't tell you what order they're the goods in. Yeah. I uh, I heard someone, another person say something funny once, is that Wargaming's balancing department works by measuring things with a micrometer, marking it with a grease pen, and cutting it with a chainsaw. Yeah. Ah. That's, wow, that's, that's a good that's analogy. That's funny. I like it. But speaking of beating things with, uh, to submission... Yeah, I was just going to jump in. Let's make a change and go with uh, some dev blog notes. And, and really the big one on the on everybody's mind, or at least in the uh, in the dev notes, is the Commander rework. Um, I know, Sock, you had brought that up before the show. You wanted to talk a little bit about it. What do you, guys, people, what do you guys think? In a lot of people's opinions, in a lot of people's opinions, the Commander rework. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't, I don't think it's going to be that bad. I think People are kind of blowing a lot of it out of proportion. At the end of the day, it's a it's a test. It's the first iteration. Yeah, things might be kind of crap for a little while, but it's it's just like with everything else they introduce. Everybody says, "Oh, it's going to break the game when when this comes out." I'm never going to play this stupid game again. This is going to be the worst thing that they've ever done. How do any of these people have jobs? And then it gets introduced, and like, oh, um. I guess it's not uh, like that bad, actually. Um, it's, I mean, it's. I'm still gonna say that it's crap because, like, I have a big um, expletive here, EO, and I don't take no for an answer. But um, it's not actually that bad. That's kind of yeah. how the player base reacts every time Wargaming introduces anything into the game or changes anything. So I'm always like, just chill out. It's not gonna be that bad. Right. I'm, I'm interested to see how they're going to do it. But I mean, it's the same thing that they did before with the last time they did a captain rework, if you remember, Sock. Yeah, that was years and years ago. It was different yeah. back then. Well, it was a little simpler they, back then. Right, but they are added the, the radio positioning fighting. And if you remember, that went, people went through the roof on that. Just, mm-hmm. And you turn out that, oh, well, it's, it's useful, but it's not game-breaking by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. I'm excited for how it's going to change things. Up. I mean... There, I mean, whoever decided in the very beginning of the carrier rework that letting planes have that skill was whoever yeah, was that, that, that. I hope they got fired. Like whoever thought that was a good idea, <laughs> be able to just hunt destroyers like the Antichrist or something. Oh yeah, my that gosh, that was. <laughs> I'm. I'm yeah, all there, about was, there was no hiding from planes back then. I'm glad that I think that lasted about a week until they fixed that. Right. But anyway, that that was a nice. I digress there. 
I'm all about the new commander rework. I think it's a good direction. I again going back to there's some things in the game that I wish that they would concentrate more on, such as the power creep of the lines, new maps, new game modes, which goes back down to the game on a basic level. But a commander rework is good. The, the three words that I want to put out there to everybody and to all our listeners and everybody I talk to here's the three magic words work in progress, guys. Chill yeah. out. Give it a give it a, give it a, a chance. It's all I mean everything. It's all a work in progress right now. So everybody just re- relax, hit the beanbag chair, pop some popcorn, and then and then watch it as it develops. But I, I think it's going to be a good thing. Yeah, it'll add more variety into the game. It will allow different builds to happen on ships. It'll it might it's it's going to be a rough ride getting there. I'll I will admit that, but it's going to be okay. But um. Yeah, I forgot what I was going to say. Anyway, I'll, 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 uh, I'm sure it'll come back to me. It had something to do with what Mando had just said. Um, is is the captain skills, is it up on the um, test server yet? I uh, it's so. been up on the test server for quite some time now. I haven't played it, but it's been on their test server for, I don't know, probably two weeks. Have, have any of you guys had a chance to play around with it? No, I, I haven't. I heard the, uh, in, I don't know if, where I heard it, I think I read an article, but they removed AFT, which I thought was kind of interesting. Yeah, so wargaming to me, I kind of compare them to government work, as in my experience with the government is they're not going to take something away unless they already have a replacement for it. So again, guys, you know, work in progress, have faith. Um, but I'm excited for it. Um, there's gonna, you'll be able to, any chance you get to really specialize your captains, that on the sheer fact that it's gonna save the average player, uh, in-game currency, whether it's doubloons or for silver credits, because with the whole, um, you'll be able to have one captain and then you'll have separate sets of skills for each of the different, uh, types of ships. And so there's no more spending. I know I spent a lot of doubloons shifting captain skills around because I have certain 19 point captains. Oh, we're, we're in clan battle. So let me shift this captain around for, you know, and so to me, it's gonna, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a change for the positive, but we just got to let them, you know, work, work the kinks out. That's all. That's, that's my favorite part of it too, is the, the fact that I can have my captain be proficient at different skills for different ships. So I can maneuver them around as needed and uh, I don't have to uh, keep expanding my uh, captain's revert reserve list because I maybe I don't have this ship now, but when I get one, I'll have a six-point captain to put him on. Now I don't have to worry about it. Right. So that's the homework assignment for everybody is to get on the test server and uh, play around with some of the captain skills for, for the next episode and, and really, <laughs> I think, dive, dive down the rabbit hole on this one. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm just not a big test server guy. Um, any game that I've ever played, they, you know, there's a test server, server or a, a public test realm or, or what have you, and and it's never really grabbed my interest enough to to do what I need to do to get over there and play on it. Because you know, I come on, I, I have a specific amount of time usually to play. I don't have all day, I... so if I'm going to be doing it, I don't want to be doing it on a server that I'm getting no no advancement points, you know, or any kind of XP, any kind of credits, any of that stuff. You know, I go back to my, my, you know, regular server and then none of that has been added. So I just rather stay on my own, you know? Yeah, I, right. I totally agree with you. I, I guess let me, um, let me restate that and say, get onto the tester. I, when I say get on a test server, I usually get in there to jump in to take a look at the skill descriptions. I'm there for like 20 or 30 minutes, just kind of, you know, read in but. Yeah, I don't spend an extensive amount of time playing because I am of the same school of thought as you are with my limited time as of lately. I would rather be out in randoms, you know, pursuing my own account. But um, so I, I will rephrase that and say it, at least log in and check out and see what some of the, the new skill trees are and do a little bit of reading. Well, that is interesting. If if that's something you guys are interested in doing, I mean, there is there is a way to do it. So. Look it up, check it out, and uh, yeah, like like everybody else said, chill a little bit, take a deep breath, work in progress, it's going to be fine. So with that, right. let's take a uh, quick brief pause for a, uh, a profit timeout there for the sponsors, and we will be right back. Hang tight. 
All right, we are back, and I wanted to pose a question, something that I was doing uh, in the game, I forget, either today or yesterday, but it came to me and I wrote it down, and I wanted to get your guys' take. Um, we, we talk a lot about, or we have, and a lot of people uh, talk about it in the game, when, you know, how to lead ships and, and fire an arc at somebody, and the, the, the American ships tend to float shells a little bit, so you can go up and over an island, and there's, there's certain techniques you got to use, depending on what ship you're in, to be able to hit a target, whether he's angled, what, how fast he's going, and all that. But for destroyer drivers, I mean, that comes into play too, but you're worried about torpedoes predominantly in most of these destroyers. And I wanted to get your guys' takes on the proper way to lead a ship because they have that little white suggested cursor that you want to kind of get your little green bar to match up with that, and theoretically it'll go. But more times than not, the ship misses that target zone because either he's turning or or turning away turning in slowing down speeding up whatever the case and there's a lot of times if you're following that white cursor and you try to put it on there you don't get any hits so i know we've got a couple of destroyer drivers that have been around a long time in those destroyers what are your thoughts what do you guys do um to you know to circumvent that and, and get more tor pits <laughs> Uh, I I don't know. I kind of eyeball it, but lately, um, I've I was having some games earlier with Snowdog, um, in our in our group, and I was putting them before, after, right on, and it didn't really seem to matter. Um, no matter what I did, I wasn't able to hardly hit them. Um, and now if I just randomly moved it way out ahead or way behind, then I'd wind up hitting them. So I don't know if something's changed, if it's my computer or what, but I've noticed that lately a lot of times, it's just not just with torpedoes, but even with guns. I can be aiming at the superstructure at somebody and everything hits the water before the ship. Again, I don't know if it's something with my computer. Maybe it's I'm getting old and my eyeballs are playing tricks on me. I'm not real sure. But I've noticed a weird, some weird oddball things and talking with some of the other guys, they've said they've noticed some weird oddball things too. So I don't know if something's changed in the game or just circumstance or what. But yeah, with torpedoes, yeah, I don't know. I just, I, I just kind of have to, it's one of those, you just kind of have to feel it. You, you, you kind of go by the, the white line, but you also have to see what the ship is doing and what kind of ship it is. Um, you know, if it's, you know, something, for example, like your, your, your lovely Brandeezy that you like, something that's that maneuverable and stuff like that, they're next to impossible to hit, not with, not only with shells, with torpedoes. So you just kind of have to kind of get lucky on ships that are super maneuverable that you basically kind of guess where they're going to go and try yeah, to you, lead them according to that. You got to be situationally aware of not only where you're at but also where your opponent's at the guy that you're shooting at and you kind of got to judge what he's going to do because the days of ships running in a straight line mm -hmm. I think those are pretty much over I mean even the most basic player knows that hey I need to you know um, change my speed I need to change my direction every so often um so, I mean, those days of, you know, you get the big fat Colorado going in a straight line, those are pretty much gone. I haven't seen that happen in quite a while. So you just kind of, like I said, you got to try to be situa situationally aware and you have to kind of guess what your opponent's going to do. And that's where you fire. Right. And one thing I will say, though, to really help out with, with people with, with, that are especially playing destroyers and stuff, if you have teammates that are in between you and, person you're trying to launch torpedoes at either a don't do it or b give them plenty of warning that what you're doing and make sure they know you're doing it because <laughs> yeah torpedoing your own teammate is not a good thing that's I, never happened to me before oh, never i know <laughs> i don't know what you guys are talking about what do you mean <laughs> Mini map. The mini map is my secret to success. Albeit, I think my torpedo hit rate is only like six percent or something. But what I do, and, you, and Cyber's absolutely right. That white, um, 
visual estimator is just kind of a guideline. It's not a for sure hit. There's a lot of variables into play, especially after you fire your torpedo. You know, the speed up, slow down. What I do is I use the mini map and I will look like if I've got a battleship creeping along, I will look at the mini map. And if that dude is heading right towards an island, that's like a square or, you know, or two away. I know that this person is going to probably turn uh, on with the, you know, the rare exception that they, that they, you know, go straight into the island, but they're going to turn. And so I just have to ask myself if I was this person, when I turn, you know, into the battle or away from the battle and, and dip, you know, and then looking at the variables on the map, hey, it looks like the side is pushing whatever, so it's probably going to turn in, and then I will adjust my fire point, um, you know, for that person to turn in. Another thing I do is if, like, you know, we, we get in that situation where you're, you're stalking that lone cruiser or battleship and you're on a one or two line and you, you're the only ones that are over there, um, most players, when they react to those torpedoes popping up, you know, that proximity alert, uh, you know, it's a trap, and you know, and then a torpedo pops up at you know whatever 1.2 kilometers away. The, the average response for most players is to cut their engines and turn into the torpedo. Um, for whatever reason, that's just the human mechanics to it. Cut the engines, turn into the you know to the torpedo stream to, to try to get your bow into it. And so, if you can kind of count on that and compensate that for your shots, that this guy is going to when he sees this torpedo um, cut engines and turn into it then you can kind of line your shot up and last but not least is this is why i love the royal navy destroyers and the royal navy line is with the single fire is if you have four torpedoes in a tube fire off a torpedo a single torpedo they will see that torpedo and usually correct course and then that's when i usually fire off the rest of the salvo at them after they make that course correction that's a, another fun tactic that i like to use with those ships that have the single single fire capability right yeah that's very interesting i've i i have tried to you know if i see you know it, it's it's a french ship it, it's moving fast i'm looking at it and i will take multiple multiple uh lines on it and, and take a look at that white area the suggested area and then i'll stare at it for a minute or two say okay he's going a little fast and then i watch the white move around as he moves around and changes course it moves as well and that is a good idea fire one and see what he does and then go from there that kind of a way to bait him even if you've got in other other DDs, you've got uh, one salvo that you can fire and then hold your next one for a few seconds and try that. Because what I've done is, is as I see him turning, I look at what he's near. If he's a battleship and he's coming around an island, is he going to turn around or is he going to bend in towards the island and maintain a real close to the island and come around it? Or is he going to go straight off a different direction? Once I figured out where he's committing, then I'll launch my torps uh, to the best of my ability. And I usually do okay there. But I just wanted to see, uh, you know, if there was a, a better way to lead them with those or, or, you know, just different techniques. But it sounds like you guys are right about the same place that I am with those. So. Most of the time, it's going to be what we call a luck chuck, where you're just kind of chucking them out there, and hopefully you get lucky and they hit something. Um, you can also kind of predict, you know, on, on certain maps where, hey, I know, like on, what is it, the two brothers, where you got the two islands and the channel goes up in the middle. I know somebody's going to be creeping this corner here real quick off the get-go, so I will luck chuck a torpedo spread right down the line of the islands, and, and sometimes you get lucky and sometimes you don't. It's kind of like playing the lottery. I will say that uh, you can try to plan your torpedoes a little bit um, and ignore that line entirely. If you know what direction they're facing, if they're backing up or going forward. Uh, I had a great clip the, uh, a week or two ago now uh, that I posted in the, our Discord where uh, I saw a, a lawn behind a rock and I knew that uh, the direction he was facing and I had a feeling that the second he got spotted or was targeted, he would start moving. So I dropped torps, and then uh, I fired some shots his direction. And sure enough, he started moving and right into my torps. Like, I planned it. It was beautiful. So it, it torpedo aiming is a lot of luck and a lot of situation uh and the planning that goes into it is it doesn't need to be a lot 
Really, you just have to get lucky. I do do something similar uh, that Amanda was talking about with my Shima because it's got three torpedo racks. Um, I'll fire one rack, watch them move, and then fire possibly one more or both uh, and how they're moving. But yeah, I mean, I use that first rack usually to get a gauge on where they're going and, and how they're going to react. Well, there is one other one other thing I was going to add to it, another technique that I have started to play with, and, it, and it's actually been working fairly well. And you have to do it in a ship that has a concealment uh, that's, that's significantly lower than your detectability, um, meaning that I've got like 10.5K torps, my detectability is sitting at 6, which means I can see a ship coming, I can launch a salvo, and he's still not going to see me, and I will get those torps in the water where I think he's going to go, maybe leading the white line, maybe falling back a little bit. Let him start to move, and as I see him start turning away, I will start hitting him with HE shots just so that he can see that I am there. Now, it's risky. All it takes is one salvo if his guns are my way, so you got to pay attention and get a good read, and hopefully you've got teammates that are shooting and keeping his interest. But as soon as he notices, yeah, I know, ha-ha. <laughs> but as soon as he notices, now there's a DD that just popped up, he might start thinking, okay, he's already, he knows where I'm going. Torps are going to be coming at me. I need to turn away. And then I'll launch torps behind him, hoping that I will drive him into the torps that are already out there that he still doesn't yet see. And that has actually worked out fairly well. But it's it's a lot of planning. You got you to gotta know what's going on and you got to watch out because as soon as you start firing, now everybody can see you. So you really have to pay attention. You know, it goes back to what Nimitz said with the uh, situational awareness. You really have to pay attention to what's going on all over the map that could affect you. I, another thing to consider, too, when you're launching torpedoes or you're lining up a torpedo run is where the, your target is in relationship to the map. In other words, is your target going into a cap? Is there other ships around, such as cruisers or, uh, say, Kriegsmarine destroyers that have hydro? Because chances are, if they are pushing into a cap and you're chucking torps out, somebody's a bound to have hydro running um case in point is when you're running um clan battles or uh for example i know we we're picking on the t61 t61 is a great ship tier um six kriegsmarine anyway you get a couple of t61s on a team um and you can rotate hydro meaning there's always going to be hydro up and running and so if you're lining up a torp shot and they're just not connected and this person just seems to have that sixth sense ability to predict when your torps don't forget on the defensive side that they've got tools to kind of predict where your torps are coming at as well. So don't get frustrated. Just, just be persistent and stay after them. <laughs> All right. Well, we, 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 uh, we hit that and, uh, you know, did some good work with that. So I appreciate the input there. Um, I got to tell you guys, um, we were talking last week about the the campaigns and and me not having a whole lot of time to get both the Heisen dockyard completed and the, campaign completed and i'm doing okay on the campaign i may be able to but the other night i was like you know i'm ringing the bell i'm buying the dang strasburg because what nimitz told me the other night the last time we recorded is you're going to be upset if you don't get that french battleship because you love them so i rang the bell i bought the dang thing but after i did and i figured you know i'm still going to play through i'll keep loading up and and uh, loading up those uh tasks and trying to complete them and as I was loading them up, and I'm like, okay, well, I can keep doing this one, doing this one, and, and working through and selecting all of that, it, it, it dawned on me. Now that I have it, if I complete that campaign, will I get the doubloons instead? Any thoughts? You do. You do get well, the doubloons. I, I didn't see, logically, that makes sense, but I didn't see where they, they actually stated that. So I would assume so, but I don't want to assume anything with Wargaming. I thought I read that somewhere that you will... If you already have the ship, you get the the cost of doubloons. I don't remember. Hmm. Well, I guess I'll have to report back. But I will say, I have played the Strasbourg a little bit. I do like it. It's it's different, but I like it so far. So it's pretty good. Well, that's happy to hear. Yeah, even with the weak armor, well, that's I, good I've, to hear because yeah. No, I. 
I was going to say, sorry, sorry to cut you off. I, I was going to say that's good to hear because uh, I've heard and I've seen a lot of reviews on the Strasburg. And I've always, I know you and I have always been a big proponent of don't listen to the reviews, but it's got a lot of negative press lately. And so it's good to hear somebody that actually has it, that has a positive um, outlook on it because some of the reviews are pretty dismal. Well, and, you know, I've got in it a handful of games now, and, you know, I only got a couple of nights ago, but I have played it a few times, and uh, I haven't really been picked on by carriers, so I don't really know a whole lot there, but it does have a fighter you can launch and get it up in the air, and that helps a little, even though you've only got like a 51, 52-something AA rating, but your your fighter in the air does help, so, I mean, it's at least something of a consumable, so that is a benefit. Uh, its armor is, is weak, but honestly, I haven't run into any dev strikes. I haven't really been hit hard to reduce my health in half. None of that has been the problem. So, And, and I, I will say, it is a little fire starter. The other, uh, the other night I played, I had 11 fires started in one game with it just because I was spamming HE like crazy. And the reason for that, it was... Because the campaign, one of those tasks was in a battleship, get 45 fires or citadels. And fires come a lot easier than citadels typically. So I was spamming right. HE. And I was impressed. There was a couple of games where I was getting 10, 11, you know, 9 here, 8 there. I mean, that's far more than any of the others that I normally get. So, and it, even at tier 7 and smaller guns, it can reach out to 19.1. That's a nice, nice range. Uh, right. is, I mean, as soon as you can see them, you only got a few seconds to wait, and they're in range. You can already start spamming. And with a 20-second reload, that's pretty darn nice. Or 25, it, it doesn't take very long to reload, and you're good to go again. You know, on, on the line of the armor, that's pretty par for the course for French battleships. I know I have the Champagne and the Gascon, which are both in Tier 8, and they're only running, what is it, like 25 or 27 millimeter armor. So um, the Strasbourg, that's, it's actually par for the course. French battleships have always had the weaker deck armor. They've always been more susceptible to HE fire. That just goes hand in hand with the line. So uh, again, yeah, going back to the reviews, a lot of negative reviews, but come on, man, we, this is not a Russian battleship line we're talking about. And I, I think that the, the downside to the line, it, but, you know, talking about the weaker armor, but that's the line, though, that is the French battleship line is going to have that weaker deck armor. Yeah, and, and it's got it's got 26 pretty much all the way around. It's got a little bit thicker on the deck armor, but I ha I was noticing I, I wasn't getting, I wasn't losing my guns a whole lot like I do in the JB. Uh, some of the other pitfalls that I've experienced in other French battleships, uh, I'm not seeing as much in this one. I am getting fires on me quite a bit so i've had to pay attention to them and and try not to when i get hit with a torp or something i try not to hit that repair button right away i want to wait a little bit see if because a fire is going to be coming in because it seems like everybody's spamming he these days so i want to be careful and if i get a flood and a fire that's when i'm going to hit it if i get up to three fires that's when i'll hit it i don't want to burn too much that quick especially whatever time it is in the match if it's early i don't want to be burning up um, but I will say, even though its armor is a little weak, that hasn't really been a major issue. Um, it, it's been a solid little ship and I will say it, it, it's faster than a lot of British or, or excuse me, other French battleships. That's the benefit of the French battleships. They move a little bit faster. They're a little more maneuverable. It's not like you're floating around in an old tub. So, I mean, it's nice so far. I'm, I'm liking it. So I haven't got really anything bad to say yet. We'll see. Who knows? I'm I'm sitting here so, looking at its armor scheme, and it's it's like 26 everywhere. Um, its citadel is for the most part underwater, so the the only time you're really going to get hit is from above, or uh, if they angle it just right at the waterline. Uh, but even then, you got the the casemate, which is fairly thick, and there's an air gap between your citadel and the the side of the casemate. Uh, in all honesty. I think the lighter armor just means that the heavier battleships, if they uh, try to shoot you, they're just going to overpen. They're not going to get full penetration, and that's usually better than uh, uh, having the thicker armor and taking that full penetration damage. 
Yep, yep. What I would recommend for somebody that gets into that ship, put a captain on there that has the, uh, what is it, survivability expert so that you can cut down the amount of fires, you, you don't take as much damage. You know, you're able to kind of mitigate some of that because I, I, I see that's the biggest thing. You've got to be able to mitigate the damage coming in and then you'll be fine. So the question that I have for you is uh, the the Strasbourg. Is it a improved Dunkirk or is it a weaker Jean Bart? Well, I don't have the Dunkirk. Um, I've actually started to play it very similar to the JB. Um, I tend to push with it. I tend to bow tank with it. And I do pretty well. Um, The only thing that I've noticed is... You know, in a JB, if you see a, a destroyer come by and he's within range, you can hit him with a full salvo and really almost delete him if you've got HE loaded. You can make that DD turn and run and get out of there. Plus, the JB has long, you know, 10.6 uh, um, secondary range, so you're really going to be tearing him up. The Strasbourg does not have that. It's got a lot shorter uh, range. It's like 6K, I believe, at maximum, maybe 5 even. So that's not going to be a thing. But the destroyers, especially, you know, the Russian destroyers, the German, the gunships specifically, that can pen at 32 with their HE, those are the guys that are going to do the damage because they're going to be in closer. You'll have to watch out for torps. Plus, you'll also have to watch out for the HE and AP really doing a number on you. So I, I have noticed if I see one, I need to stop worrying about whatever else I'm looking at and get them things eliminated quick which could be arguable that you want to do that normally anyway, no matter what ship you're in. But that's something that I have learned in this ship. You want to eliminate that DD as fast as possible. Otherwise, you're going to be toast. DD lives matter. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) All right, well, I think we beat that to a dead horse, too. And uh, I wanted, before we run out of time, let's get into the weekly grind. We chose uh, the Imperial Japanese Navy cruiser line all the way to the Zhao, the Zoo, whatever the heck you want to call it. A lot of people call it different things, but it's three letters. How hard can the it be, zoo? really? Uh, who who calls it the Zhao? I was thinking the same I thing. Yeah, <laughs> Zhao. I've heard uh, there was used to be a podcast, <laughs> and I forget her name uh, off the top of my head now. I should know this. I've listened to it so many times because I support other podcasts. Was it femininely? No, 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 it wasn't her. No, uh, uh, it will come to me at some point, and I'll have to blurt it out when it does. But she always <laughs> called it the Zau, <laughs> which I thought was funny. You know, they had that little that little uh, dash above one of the letters, and it. I don't know, maybe that's how she thought it was pronounced. But we mispronounce stuff all the time here, so it doesn't really yes. matter, does it? It's not like it's a Scheinhost or anything, so <laughs> yeah, or or Gneisenau. Yeah, that's another one that's near impossible to pronounce too. <laughs> it's right. Gneisenau for some reason. But IJN anyway. cruisers all the way to the Zhao is what I call it. What do you guys think? I know there's a couple of you guys that have got all the way. I have not. I think I made it to like tier seven, tier eight, somewhere in there, and I just kind of petered out and went somewhere else. So thoughts? I think. I, uh, all the way up through tier seven, the Miyoko. Um, it's pretty bland. It's pretty meh. There's nothing really special about them. They're kiting ships. Um, up through tier eight, one thing they all have in common is that the firing arcs on the torpedoes are very awkward. Um, but if you're a kiting ship, I think they work, but people well, always complain and, about and, the torpedoes. And jumping arc. in real quick, not to cut you off, but before we change course, what I found when I was working all the way up to the, and I believe it was the Miyoko was which where I finished off, um, maybe the Mogami, I, I forget which one. It was one of those MOs. <laughs> but anyway, the yeah, the firing arc is basically towards the rear of the ship uh, for your torpedoes, and I found that you know a lot of the gun setup is towards the rear as well. So, I mean, you're out there, you're going to fire a few shots, you really want to be kiting away, and if they're giving chase, that's when you launch those torps out your rear end and try to keep that's them off you. So, I mean, they're they're more defensive torps than anything else, I think. Absolutely. As the saying goes, if you're going to chase an IJN cruiser, you better watch out for torps, and you better hope you got a hydro handy, because they are spitting them out the back end all the way through Tier 10. 
Right. Once you get to tier nine and tier 10, though, those arcs do increase. Um, and I will tell you that uh, they're more, you can use them more offensively. Like when I play my Zhao initially, when I'm heading in, um, I use the Torps to clear the path in front of me. And when I retreat and turn around and start kiting, um, you know, I still have the other side. But um, the torps hit really hard. I can I can vouch for that because I've been hit by Zao torps by my teammates multiple times and sunk. Um, they're basically Shimakaze torps. Um, you get them off both sides. Um, it's a fun kiting ship. It's a fire spammer, or at least I use it as a fire spammer. Um, I've heard people say that the AP on them is kind of deadly too if you can get a nice full broadside cruiser but uh i strictly use it as a fire spammer for the most part and uh it's a very fun line or at least once you get to the abuki it's a very very fun line this is a great um another solid line to to go up um you know tiers one through four pretty standard pretty typical uh you know cruiser line once you hit tier five, the uh, the furry taco or the furry taco is, is you know what it's originally called. You, you get introduced to the two or three millimeter guns, and what sets the IGN cruiser line apart from the other lines? It's the fire chance. You've got a significantly improved fire chance with your cruisers going up. Um, furry taco is a good solid tier five ship. Uh, Aoba, and again, at, you know, as with anything, but more so with the IGN line, don't show your broadside. If you can stay bow on or or stern tank away, your your survivability is going to get great. Um, Miyoko, the Miyoko is really kind of a goofy because of the, the turret selection. Um, the thing you got to remember with the Miyoko, because you have an ABC turret, however, your C turret on the front is facing backwards, like the XY on on the back and so you just got to think to yourself i have three rear turrets and two front not three front and two rear if you can remember that um with your turret configuration and uh, i'm used to it because i have the otago and i love the otago has the same turret configuration um now you get to the anomaly the tier eight which is the mogami the mogami you get a choice to run the 203 millimeter guns or the 155 millimeters um most people are going to tell you, and my advice is to stick with the lower 155 millimeter guns. You have a higher fire chance. You've got, um, there's five turrets with three rifles each. So you've got 15 uh, shots going out every time. Um, and just to give you an example, the Cleveland, which is an American uh, um, same tier, Cleveland has a percent fire chance with the 152 millimeters the mogami with the 155 has a 10 percent fire chance 10 percent fire chance with extra barrels going out and so the mogami is kind of the anomaly great fun ship going up into the ibuki the ibuki is what i would consider the hurdle to get through up to the zao general tactics playing the line hit and run hit and run choose your fights pop in uh fire off a salvo hit something broadside go dark turn away, spit your torpedoes out the back, and start your kite. I um, I did not have a problem with the Ibuki. I, I, I know that was one in the line that a lot of people dislike, and I, and I never could figure out why, because I think it's an excellent kiter. Uh, the fire chance on it, again, is pretty awesome. Um, it's probably, yeah, I mean, I, I pretty much enjoyed the whole line, but I really didn't start enjoying it until I got to the Ibuki and then the Zhao, obviously. But yeah, I, I don't know why people hate it so much. The problem with the Ibuki is if you look at the Ibuki, again, you have ABC and an XY turret. And for our listeners, what I'm talking about is ABC is the three front turrets and the XY would be your last two turrets. Well, again, kind of like the Miyoko class where you just have a goofy third turret, the Ibuki, your ABC turrets, your B turret, which is the one that's in the middle, won't fire straight forward. So most people get frustrated because you have your A and your C turret can fire forward fire, but you really have to angle and turn and show a lot of side to get your B turret to get all three turrets to fire. So that's the frustration with the Ibuki is in order to get all three turrets to get on target, you've got to show a lot of side. And of course, we know if you're showing side, you're taking Citadels. Interesting. They they did the same thing uh, to the Zumo, the Tier 9 battleship for the IJN 
So it, it seems to be a trend for the those tier nines. Well, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but if you're at your max range, you can get all three of those tour, uh, all three of those turrets to fire at a target in front of you. Can you not? Yeah. Well, range? I mean, you have to you have to have uh, a much higher angle uh, of attack uh, to get all three turrets to target. Um, just because of you know the, where it's uh, facing, but that also right. leaves you a lot more open to being hit. Um, in best case scenario, it's 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 better to have it uh, used on your way, uh, kiting away. That way, as you weave back and forth uh, going away, you have three turrets facing them to uh, shoot with instead of the other two. Uh, if you're turning really hard, you might be able to get the others on them, but again, you're opening your broadside up, which it's not a good idea in any cruiser. No, I'm just saying, if I, if I have a ship directly in front of me at 15 clicks out, I can get all three turrets on you because of the arc. So the problem with that is, is that the Ibuki with your um, upgraded gunfire control system only has a 16.5 kilometer base range, meaning, and I understand what you're talking about, arcing the barrels of that B-turret up and over, but the window to do that is very slim. It's like at your 15, 16 kilometer range, the instant you start getting in a little bit closer, and we all know because we all sail around at full speed in these things, your your B-turret is not going to, to be able to open fire, and again, that goes back to that frustration, which is I have three turrets and I can't shoot all three at once yeah um but again i mean it's it's a cutting line so that part never really frustrated me i was just curious that the way it was, was presented was that they never all three fire at the same time um unless you show broadside and i was just trying to make sure um we got that corrected because uh, there is that small window where you can fire all three in the front but um again it's it's a kiting ship if you're if you're, you know, 12K in um, and you're still going forward, you're probably playing it wrong. So, Right. If you're, if you're contesting a cap in, in, a, in a bookie, you're playing it wrong or you're just at, at the bottom. <laughs> You've got no more right. ships left. That being said, and I'll, and I'll close on my take on the IGN line, is the Otago, which is a Tier 8 premium. Otago is one of the old school originals. I've said it before. I'll say it again. If I can... If I got limited to only one ship ever for the rest of the time to play in in warships, it would I would choose the Otago. It's just um, it's it's a great ship as far as premium. So if anybody's out there looking to get a premium, you just can't go wrong with the Otago. It is a great machine at top tier, and it is still very viable in in tier ten gameplay. If you happen to get into a tier ten match, two thumbs up for the Otago. <laughs> All right, well, with that, we're a little over time. Let's go to parting shots. Mando, we can start with you since uh, since you're kind of uh, out of pocket at the moment. Yeah, no worries. Just two quick things. A question I got out for everybody. Shoot me an email. Give me some feedback on the Discord. The question I'm just going to throw out and let everybody ponder on this, and we'll pick it up next one of the future episodes. Stalingrad, power crept or not? Come on, guys. Give me your feedback on that. Is the Stalingrad power crept? I think it is. But call me a potato. Uh, shoot us an email. Um, sh- a reminder to uh, our potato. next right. <laughs> our next uh, research bureau season is coming up February twelfth. So February twelfth, you'll be getting a research bureau. We're double uh, reset to the double points. And last but not least, my names for the week. If uh, I got three names, in-game names, if I call your name out, contact me in-game, and I will get you a weekend pass, which is typically one to two days premium time and 500 dubs. So my number three name for the week is Torps Gone Wild, because who likes to party with Torps Gone Wild? Um, (laughs) The second name is, uh, my second runner-up is Stalin, S-T-A-L-I-N, four, the number four times, Stalin four times. I thought that was a pretty cool uh, take on the Stalin then my number one name for this week is Nuke Skywalker. Nuke Skywalker. If you guys, if you're anybody listening, get all these guys, get in touch with me in game. I will get you a, a weekend pass, which is a couple of days premium time and 500 dubs. And that's all I got for my parting shots. All right, Nimitz, go ahead. 
Uh, no, we actually have a whole lot this week. Um, I'm glad the holidays are over. I hope everybody had a uh, safe, uh, good, happy holidays. Uh, I know it was a little difficult uh, this year, but uh, yeah, here's to uh, 2021 and um, hopefully uh, we have a much better year than we did in 2020. All right, KJ. Uh, yeah, I hope everybody does have a good 2021. Uh, mine started off odd. Uh, my Jeep's broke um, because somebody decided to run through a flashing yellow. So, you know, quick tip for those out there. Um, if you have a flashing yellow, that doesn't mean that you have the right of way and you can proceed through the intersection. So just watch that because um, otherwise you can break somebody's Jeep. Um, yeah. Preliminary reports on it right now are about 12 grand to fix the Jeep. So ouch. yeah. Ouch. Yeah. But yeah, just be uh, just if you're out driving around, just be careful of your surroundings and everything. Uh, but other than that, everybody have a have a safe day and safe week, and we'll see you guys next time. Gosh, twelve grand—you could almost buy a real car with that. <laughs> well, oh, wow. Yeah, I know. I mean, the Jeep itself is worth. Uh, well, they were saying you know about twenty between twenty and twenty-four, depending. But yeah. All right, sock. What do you got? <laughs> um. If your potato stay out of ranked, please, I want to get my steel in peace. <laughs> See, it's catchy, isn't thunder. it? Okay, Nightmare, yeah. nightmare what do you got? <laughs> uh, I don't have a whole lot. I, I just can't wait for uh, the new things to come in and shake up the meta, and uh, hopefully uh, it'll only bring good things, and uh, uh, it might be a good year for World of Warships. Yeah, and and for me, I've got a couple of things. First, thanks to the guys that showed up uh, in the chat room tonight, Snowdog, and I even saw Gentleman Walrus for a little bit too, so that was nice. I appreciate the support, guys. We do. Um, I do have one thing. I haven't told you guys yet, but we now have a subscriber to the show, and I wanted to personally thank him. Uh, I'm just going to use his first name only, and his first name is Rudy. He has graciously decided to send us money at least once a month for us to keep putting out episodes. So we oh, appreciate nice. the support, Rudy. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks, Rudy. Awesome. Yeah, so I thought that was nice. I got that in the, the email the other day, and I was like, wow, what, what is it? Nice. Oh, all right. <laughs> nice, beautiful. That's so, yeah. Awesome. Thank you, Rudy. Yeah. Goes yeah. Out to you, man. So, is he giving us money to keep doing it or giving us money to stop? I don't know. He wasn't specific. <laughs> right? he, he, didn't, he didn't say, but I, at any rate, I wanted to thank him, and and I'm glad you guys did too. That that was awful nice of him and generous, and uh, I hope others will follow along. I mean, it, it does take time to do, and uh, it's it's not easy to get all of us together sometimes. But uh, we like talking about the game, and we we do enjoy this this little show. So it uh, hopefully it uh, continues on long term. Yes, sir. Yeah, but with that, thanks everybody again for another great week, and uh, hope to see you out there in game. And when you're not in game and you can't be near the game, you can't be at your computer, why don't you flip on our show and give it a listen? We'll, we'll keep you entertained at least until you get back. Maybe you'll even pick up something. And if you email the show, maybe we'll learn something too. So <laughs> with that, this has been the Full Broadside. Take care until next week, everybody. Bye-bye. All music used in this podcast was provided by Joseph McDade. Find him at josephmcdade.com.